This is week five on our series, Laying Hold of Your Inheritance. And we said at the beginning of this series that, you know, it's time for manifestation. That's what I kept hearing in my spirit about this series that, that you know, this inheritance that God has given you, it's time for you to see it in your life, right? It, it really is. The healing you've been believing God for, the finances, whatever it is, God wants you to have it in this realm right now. You absolutely have to have it, actually. So we're going to go further into this. We, last week, we talked about how that we receive the promises of God through faith and patience. And we started talking, we were in James, and we started talking a little bit about patience. So we're going to continue on along those lines tonight. Because, you know, in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, uh, or, and yeah, in Mark eleven twenty four, 24, it says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them, right? When you pray, you believe you receive, and you shall have, right? So there's two different points in time. The time that you, when you're praying, you believe you receive something, what is that? That's where you, you've heard the word of God on the inside of you. Faith came. All of a sudden now you're fully persuaded. And through faith you reached into the unseen realm and you grabbed hold of something that God said he promised you. That part of your inheritance. You can't see it. Right? You can't perceive it with your senses. The title deed that you own it is your faith. Why is that? Well, if God said he gave it to you, that's it. It's yours, right? Not only does he not lie, he can't lie, right? If he said it was Thursday, if he walked in the room right now and said, it's now Thursday, guess what? It'd be Thursday. Because God, everything God says is true. Actually, it's even beyond true. It's truth. It's not subject to change, right? So now I grab hold of it. I know I have it. I believe that I've received it, but I just can't see it. It's not doing me any good because it, you know, my healing is, I still have some sickness in my body. I haven't seen it in, my, in this physical realm yet, but the Bible says if I believe that I receive, I will have. So we're talking about this is when the fight of faith takes place from the time you believe you receive until the time you no longer have to believe it because you see it in your life, right? Well, the Bible talks a lot about that time period. And, and really, what keeps you during that time period is patience. It's, it's literally a spiritual force that comes out of your spirit and will undergird your mind and keep your mind on the word of God, which means it'll keep your eyes fixed on Jesus until all of those circumstances that are contrary to the word of God, no matter what it is, all of them cave under the word of God because the word of God is the final authority, right? God, you know, God says a lot of things. He says, he doesn't say he's going to heal you. He says you are healed. He doesn't say he's going to bless you. You are blessed, right? So this is what we're talking about tonight. So let's just kind of go into this. Again, real briefly, right in the first message or two, we talked about 
how that we've been given an inheritance in salvation. I would encourage you, go back and listen to those messages. What did we inherit? Literally, we get everything Jesus got because we're co-heirs with him. What did he inherit? Everything, right? So the very term, the Old Testament word for salvation is Yeshua. The New Testament word for salvation, right, is soterior. What does that mean? It literally means final and complete deliverance from all of the curse of the law, including death. Do you know that you will never taste death? You won't. Well, no, no, it's appointed, it's appointed everybody to die. Well, no, that word in the Bible literally means separation. It doesn't mean to cease to exist, right? And we don't have an appointment to die like there's a set date. It, it can't be because in the Bible it says if you do certain things, you could lengthen your days. If you do certain things, you could shorten your days. So in other words, yeah, you're appointed once to die and then there's the judgment. But what that means is your spirit's gonna come out of your body whether you... If the Lord tarries and you grow out and live out all your days, you step out of your body, you're with the Lord. You will not ever see the angel of death. You are not spiritually dead. You will never be separated from God. The minute your eyes close to this natural realm, you are with God. You are with Jesus, right? So that's pretty good. The curse of the law, we know this, it includes sickness and disease and pain, doesn't it? Right? It includes prosperity, freedom from, from poverty and lack so that you could prosper in life. I mean, it's amazing we've been redeemed from that. That's what, that's what the word salvation actually means. It literally means, this word salvation means to be whole, spirit soul and body and for for you to be whole in every arena of your life that's you've already received salvation that's the inheritance that's pretty awesome it literally means preservation god preserves you it means deliverance from danger and from apprehension isn't that amazing? You own that. You've been given that. If you have little kids, you don't have to worry about them being apprehended. Right? You have to know your authority. This stuff doesn't happen automatically because Satan operates as an outlaw. You have to keep him at bay. How do you do that? It is written. It is written. It is written. You have to know your inheritance. It literally means pardon. And everybody said amen, because guess how many of us were guilty? Every one of us. What were we sentenced to? Eternal death. And now we've been pardoned. Not covered, it's all been erased. Right? We are people with no past. I mean, we are God's children. It's amazing. It means restoration. Have you ever done anything or have you ever had anything done to you that has stolen something from you? Well, you own in salvation 
for your life to be restored. Everything stolen brought back. Very few believers know that. Proverbs 11, at the end of that chapter, it says the righteous shall be repaid in the earth. That means in the earth. The older you get, you better go, hey, Satan, you don't have much time. Right? you got to bring it all back. It means physical healing. The, the very word salvation, Yeshua, soteria, it means physical healing. And it means financial prosperity. You own it. You've been redeemed from poverty and lack. Isn't that amazing? So now we learned in the earlier, in the earlier lessons, we learned that we must receive. See, all of this stuff was given to us by the grace of God. What is, what is the definition of grace? God doing for you what you and I could never do for ourselves. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve any of this. It was given to us by God's grace. And it's very clear, we learn from Scripture, we must receive through faith what God has given us by his grace. It's the only way. There's no other way. You don't earn any of it, right? It only comes through grace or through faith. So in other words, how you get it from the unseen realm, right, into your life here right now is through faith. Faith only comes one way by hearing God's word, okay? So let's talk about this. In Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 8 and 9. I just want to unpack these verses for you just a little bit. Remember, we're saying that we receive everything through faith. It came to us by grace. It was given to us by grace, but we receive it through faith. Ephesians 2.8. Look at what it says. For by grace are you saved. Now the word salvation in the New Testament, is the Greek word soterior. The word saved comes out of that word. It's the word sozo. Okay? Has a very similar definition. We'll just compact it for teaching healing, prosperity, and deliverance in every area of your life. For by grace you have been saved. But look at this. Through faith. And what's interesting about this phrase, for by grace are you saved, this, this phrase, for by grace are you saved, those words, are you saved, is in the Greek perfect tense, okay? It's real exciting. I mean, we don't like to be, I don't want to be a Greek scholar, but this is amazing. It means that something was done for us in the past, it was completed in the past, and it will continue to have present-day results forever. So that you could say it this way, for by grace am I healed. For, my, for by grace am I whole. For by grace am I prosperous. Something was done for me. Jesus was made poor so that I, through his poverty, would be made rich. 
That happened on the cross. Jesus was made to be sin so that I would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Jesus literally was, he bore my sickness and carried my pain on the cross so that now I could be healed. You see that? Something happened in the past that has a continual present tense operation forever. Isn't that good news? That's what you have right now. Does any Christian have to be sick, weak, crippled in any way? No. Do they have to be? No, they don't. It's all been provided. Boy, I'll tell you, preachers are afraid to say that, and we have to shout that from the mountaintops because Satan is a killer. He's a crippler. He's the one who makes people sick. None of this stuff was here until what happened? Sin came into the world and death came into the world by sin and now here we go. But Jesus Christ got it all back. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, I like this, and that not of yourselves. Why does it say that? Because guess what? Grace, you and I have nothing to do with grace. It's not from us, right? Guess what? Faith, you and I have nothing to do with faith. It was given to us. So that's why this has nothing to do with us. Look at this. It's a gift of God. It's a gift. Healing, prosperity. If you have fear, anxiety, depression, that God's saying, no, 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 no. I have peace for you. I have this for you. I, I've, been, I've given you everything. You own it. It's a gift of God. And then it, in case we don't get that, it says in verse 9, not of works. So in other words, I can't work for it. Now, here's another thing, because Christians will say, yeah, but you know, I just blew it. Okay, so you're God's child. I mean, I don't want a show of hands because we'd all have to raise our hands. Has anybody sinned after they accepted Christ? Have they done any sinful or unrighteous, right? You know, yeah, right? Thank God, though, all of our sin was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus. But, but when were all these things given to us? They were given to us before we were ever born. They were actually given to all mankind while all mankind was actually an enemy of God. How much more you as a child, you don't have to work for this, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is, do you know there's nobody walking around heaven boasting? Well, you know, Billy Graham. Well, you know, I led so many people to Christ. No, Billy Graham is going, hey, I couldn't have done anything without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, all I was, I was willing and obedient, and God used me, right? So this is important that we know. So now jump over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. So we've been given an inheritance by the grace of God, but the only way that we could access it is through faith. So we have to learn how to access it. 
Do you know how few of your brothers and sisters around the world even have ever heard this? Right? Romans chapter 5, verse 2. It says, look at what it says here. This is a powerful scripture. By whom, talking about Christ, also we have access by faith into this grace. Wherein, in other words, it says wherein, that phrase wherein, basically what that's saying, we have access by faith into this grace which causes us to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? God puts grace in you and what comes out of you is glory. God puts in you, I've redeemed you from the curse of sickness and disease and what comes out of you is as you believe and you receive and all of a sudden, this, the healing manifests in your body. Guess what comes out of you? The glory of God. I love the fact that the glory of God, it's the very presence of God. He's always glorified. Men are never glorified. Right? But we have access by faith into this grace which literally causes us to stand. But not only to stand silent, we stand rejoicing because we expect to, hope is what? A confident, joyous expectation. Because we expect to see the glory of God. I'm believing God for finances. I'm believing God for this financial miracle. And man, I'm going to see it. I know it. Because I already have it. I've already believed I've received it. I'm going to have it in this realm. You hide and watch. Right? So this is what this is talking about. In other words, faith is for the purpose of taking possession of what God has given you by his grace. Okay? How many more times do I need to say that? Probably I'll say that a lot more tonight. Right? I get more excited every, more, every time I say it. So this is so important. Number one, you have an incredible inheritance. In that inheritance is everything you need for your life to look just like Jesus looked when he was on this earth. No lack. No fear, no weakness, nothing, no sickness, no disease. Fearless, walking in utter dominion over everything. Jesus gave us all his authority. Wow. Right? So again, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire... This word desire means whatever you call for, whatever you require, or whatever you make a demand for. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. That means believe that you seize hold of them, and you shall have them. Moffat's translation of this verse does a great job. I love the way he says it. So I tell you, whatever you pray for and ask, believe you've got it and you'll have it. Real simple. If you believe you've got it, then you'll have it. Wow, that changes. If you could say that over and over to yourself about 50 times, it's amazing what will happen to you. I challenge you to do that. Father, I believe I've got it, therefore I will have it. You'll get real excited saying that. 
So then we have 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 gives us, it solidifies this picture a little bit more. It says this, for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. That word world is the world system. Whoever is born of God continuously overcomes the world system. In other words, there is nothing that this world can throw at any of us to overcome us. Nothing. Why? Because we're born of God. Wow. Well, now he gives us a little bit of a picture. Look at this. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. So now he's going to tell you why. What is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. So what does that mean? See, my faith is the victory. My faith gives me the victory. What do you mean by that? Well, if this represents physical healing in my body, guess what? God already gave it to me, right? But now, when I hear that God already gave it to me, I sent my word and healed you. I redeemed you from the curse of the law. I, I, I myself bore your sickness and carried your pain, right? Isaiah 54, don't forget all of his benefits. Psalm 103, he forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. When I hear that, down in my heart, not in, not in my head, but down here, and when I get revelation on that, and all of a sudden I know that I know that I know, what happens is faith is birthed. And that's my victory. Because all I got to know, I just have to see that it's mine. I don't have to see it in this realm to have victory. When I see it inside, nothing can stop it from showing up outside. Satan knows this. That's why he's, he'll scream and yell with circumstances and people and iPhones and Apple Watches and iPads and, you know, 80-hour-a-week working and, you know, elections and whatever you want. Here's a big one, Christian TV. Here's another big one, football He'll use anything he can. But we have the mighty Holy Spirit on the inside of us that'll lead us and guide us. And if we'll just, if, if we'll just follow his lead, he'll tell us when to turn off the TV. He'll tell us, don't look at this right now. Because why? Because he's like, man, in three days from now, you're going to face something. And I got to get you ready for this. Right? So very important. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. See, these tests, these trials, these pressures, they are designed to strip you of your faith. How? By getting your eyes off the word of God and getting your eyes on the circumstances. That's the game. Satan doesn't really care about you. He wants to strip you from your faith. And if he could do that, he doesn't even have to pay attention to you. He's already got you because you can't, you can't receive your inheritance. 
That's what he's wanting to do. He does not want, I mean, I mean, people will laugh at the word of faith message. They will laugh at some of these things. Have you ever talked to somebody? I mean, literally. Have you ever talked to somebody and they're like, well, I just don't believe that. I just believe this. And they're talking about God. And you're, and you're, you're sitting here going, but you don't even know him. Right? Could you imagine, like, so Morris and Faye, they farmed. Could you imagine if I just came up to you and said, hey, Morris, you know what? Listen, I'm going to bless you this year. Just turn your whole operation over to me. I'm just going to work for free, and I'll manage your whole farm. And he would be like, wow, that's awesome. What do you know about farming? Well, I, you know, I'm a pastor. I, I don't really know anything about farming. He'd be like, yeah, pastor, have a, you have a blessed day. And when you're leaving, don't touch anything, right? Hey, just let me, you know what? You got a great crop here. Let me hop in that combine. He'd be like, he'd be like, uh, have you ever driven? Oh, no, but I know, I, I know I could do it because I know all about a combine. Really? Did you ever, have you ever driven one? No. Have you ever read about it? No. Do you know that's who you run into every day? Well, I just don't believe in that healing stuff. Really? Okay. All right. Right? In, in, your, in, in my mind, I'm going, okay. You immediately have to start drawing from the love of God because you don't want to make them feel funny or feel like, they, like they're an idiot, even though they're asking, acting like one. Right? Could you imagine? Hey, here I am. We're going up in the space shuttle. I, I'll, I'll drive. Right? Hey, Commander Elisa, I will drive, I'll say it this way, I'll drive the aircraft carrier. Well, first of all, you don't drive an aircraft carrier. No, I, you know, I don't think so. Do you realize how many people are experiencing massive death in their life because they don't know anything? Do you know how many word of faith people, see, then we, we're way far ahead. I mean, we're all the way to preschool. So... <laughs> Because we can actually quote a scripture and we feel like we really know it, right? Oh, no, I'm in faith. And you're looking at them. They are freaked out. And I'm like, well, you know, well, I'm just believing God. Well, what, do you, what scriptures are you standing on? And you hear, you see the deer in the headlight look. Like, what, what does that have to do with anything? Right? I, I listen to Keith Moore. I'm I'm in. See, this is why we have to get this. You have an inheritance. Every believer has one. You can only access it through faith. So you need to know how to operate in faith. Right? <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Let's go on. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Look at what it says. That you be not slothful. Right? Have you ever watched Zootopia? Right? Go to the DMV. If you live in Southern California, you really think that's funny because if you ever had to go to the DMV in Southern California, it's an all-day ordeal. Right? Here, it's amazing. I always thank the people at the DMV here. I'm like, wow, you guys are incredible. You walk in, there's maybe four people in line, and there's six people helping people. In California, 
the line is out the door, right? But a sloth, they just move really slow, right? You remember if you've seen that movie? It says that you be not slothful. This word literally means that you be not lazy. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Interesting. If you're, not, if you're lazy, you're not going to follow those who are obtaining the promises through faith and patience. You know, I, I don't like that faith family church stuff because, you know, he will teach like for 19 weeks on this subject. And if he says it one more time, I'm just going to pass out because I can't stand it anymore, right? No, I want to go to this kicking meeting where the pastor just gets up and goes, thus saith the Lord, right? And it's just, and, and all this mess that I've created for 900 years, it just falls off and I, and I walk out of that meeting and everything changes. Amen. I mean, literally, I came in in a 1973 Brown Maverick with a three shifter on, on the tree, right? If you, you older people might know who that is, what that is. And I walk out and man, I got a brand new Lexus sitting out there. That's awesome. That's what we want. But the Bible says don't be lazy because if you're lazy, you're going to look for shortcuts. There is no shortcut. You know why? Because you are made to walk intimately with your God. That every moment of every day of your life, you are to get to know him more. And he progressively grows you up so that you are ready for everything you face and that you're able to overcome everything that comes against you in this life. He, there's no shortcuts with him because it wouldn't work. Right? It wouldn't work that way. That you be not slothful or that you be not lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience, this word patience, it means persistence. It means perseverance. It, a big part of the meaning of this word is it means endurance. Through faith and endurance. Here's another part of this word. It's constancy. Right? One of the advantages as the church gets older, people see, they see me as a pastor being constant. Could you imagine if this, this Wednesday I'm preaching this way and then Sunday I get up and go, okay, today we're going to talk about sovereignty. And the name of the, the, the title of this sermon is, well, you just never know what God's going to do. No, no, constancy. In other words, patience will keep you constant. Doesn't matter what my body's doing. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what all my family members say, what everybody says. It doesn't matter what all my peers say. Red letters trump every other letter. By his stripes, I am healed. He meets all of my needs. Doesn't matter what my senses are telling me. Patience. It's not of this world. It's a spiritual force to help you and I. This is so important. It means, here's another meaning of this. It means being single-minded. Have you ever struggled with that? The reason why we struggle, we've all struggled with this, is because we're trying to lay hold of all these things in our own strength. 
in our own ability. And we just, it doesn't work that way. So patience is part of the operation of faith. Patience is a spiritual force that works in unison with faith. Right? Patience is a spiritual force that will undergird and it will sure up your mind to keep it constant on the word of God while the fight of faith is going on so that faith that you've released with your mouth can go to work and bring substance to the thing that you're hoping for. It's exactly how it works. That's so good, I'm going to read it again to you. Patience is a spiritual force that will undergird and sure up your mind to keep it constant upon the word of God while you're in the fight of faith. Why? So that faith that you've released, you've released your faith with your mouth, so that faith released can work and bring substance to the thing that you're believing for. Faith brings substance to it, right? Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance. You could read it this way, now faith gives substance to the thing that you're expecting. It's the proof that you have what you can't perceive with your senses. So patience also is a quality that does not ever surrender to any circumstance. There's never a circumstance that it'll surrender to. It never lays down under trial. As a matter of fact, the bigger the trial, the bigger it is. That's patience. That's in you. You already have it. Patience gives you the ability to stand immovable in the face of any circumstance. Immovable. I'm not moving. There are things I'm believing God for, for our church, for our lives, for the lives of my children, for the lives of my grandchildren. I'm immovable on them. Right? Like we, our seed will be mighty in the earth. They will be the head and not the tail. They will increase, right? They will all stand before Jesus one day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I'm not moving from that. And I, I'm not moved by any, any reports, any behavior. No, 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 right? That's how come as a pastor... I could tell you this. I, in every way, believe in you. I can't tell you how big that is in me. If I didn't believe that you were going to walk out God's plan for your life and finish strong and do everything he's called you to do, I, I don't waver from that. Do you know Moses wavered from that and he couldn't enter the promised land? He could not lead them into the promised land. He, God had to tell him, okay, Mo, you're 120 years old. You haven't figured this out. You're beating rocks when I tell you to speak to it. You, I'll, I'll show you the promised land. You're 120 and you have 20-20 vision. So I'll show it to you from this mountain. You're never going to go in. I'm going to have to get somebody else to lead the people. 
because you don't believe in them. Do you know the Holy Spirit on the inside of you believes in you? Oh, he believes in you so. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had with the Lord where literally I could tell the difference. I could tell the voice of the Holy Spirit when he's encouraging me and he's saying, Tony, and, he, and he's talking to me when, man, I'm not really believing in myself. And all of a sudden, those words, I believe in you. I've had those times with the Lord where I know the voice of Jesus, and it's Jesus saying, listen, my son, I believe in you. And I've even had those times where the Father, whew, when the Father begins to talk to you, it is so powerful and so filled with love. And he just believes in us. God believes in us. It's amazing. So we are to add patience to our faith. We obtain the promises through faith and patience. If you ever stop allowing patience to flow, right, if you ever stop that, your faith can go no farther than patience. They work in unison. And you got to know this. And you've heard me say this before. If you get in faith and stay in faith, there is no way. Never happened, never will. There's no way you won't see your answer in this realm. Right? So important. So now I want to go to James 1 again, James 1.1, 1, 1, and I want to very quickly just read through these four verses that we went through pretty extensively last week. James 1.1. 1, 1. You guys doing okay? This is really good. At least I'm just, I'm really enjoying this. So thank you. It says, my brethren, count it all joy. We said this last week. What does that mean? Count it all joy. Act as if the circumstance that you're in is not dominating you. When, not if, you fall, you fall. What is that word fall? It means you're coming into contact with something because it is all around you. Okay? So the word fall, really quick. Pastor Torian, can you come here? Jeanette, can you come here? Pastor Dave and Leanne, can you guys come here? And Pastor Edwin, come on up. Maybe Lisa, why don't you come on up here really quick too? So this is the word fall. Go ahead and get in a circle around me. Yeah, all the way around. So this is, this is our life. These temptations, tests, trials, pressures, all the stuff designed to take your eyes off the word of God is always all around you. It's always there. And it says, when you fall, why? Because if I go this way, I bump it. If I go this way, I'm bumping this. If I, I, I'm trying, well, let me, let me try to figure this thing out. Right? Yeah, I know. Lisa's like, bam. And sometimes those pressures are a little harder than others, right? I'm not even going to go there with Leanne, right? She'll just take me out right now. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. But do you see that? See, Christians get down on themselves. Satan will jump all over you and go, you dirty dog, why did you do that? Listen, it's all around you. Amen. You, wanna, you want all you got to do to be carnal, to just be sinful. All you got to do to have no faith is nothing. 
Because if you don't feed your spirit, man, I'm telling you, your flesh will side with your unrenewed mind and will take you in places you don't want to go. I love what Lester Summerall said, an old minister that's now in heaven. He said, sin will take you further than you ever want to go, right? It'll keep you longer than you'll ever want to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever want to pay, right? Why? Because it's all around us. But I'm here to tell you guys, you've been given an inheritance. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You literally have been given all things that pertain to life, and holiness and godliness, which means an ability where God empowers you to walk holy so that you could walk free from all these things. So it's, he's saying, count it all joy when you fall into these different temptations, the tests, the trials, the adversity, the pressure that is designed for one thing and one thing only. It's not, it's not coming after you. It's coming after your faith. Right? Right now, we have conservative Christians in this country freaking out because it's 50 to 49 in the Senate and because it's 217 to 209 and there's, there's only nine seats left. We only need one more. And we're freaking out. And listen, guys, we have to keep believing God that he comes and heals our land. And he could heal our land in every circumstance. Because just because it's 50-49, what happens if a revival breaks out in the Senate and you've got people that are just anti-God and anti and just liberal and all this stuff and all of a sudden they get born again, spirit-filled and they start voting different. God is able to make ways where there is no ways. So why am I saying that? We stay in faith. We stay at rest so that we can hear what our part is. How to pray. It's a little, it's a little complicated how to pray, right? Because we learn from Romans our weaknesses, we don't know how to pray sometimes. Right? I mean, I could pray for my wife but I want to pray effectively. And if God wants to move in her life over in this area, but I'm over here praying in this area, there's no power there. Does that make sense? So look at this. You count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. Why do you count it all joy? Because you know something. Knowing this, that the trying, the proving, the testing of your faith it works or it brings about patience. Anytime you are in faith and you are pressed, if you're in faith, that force of patience automatically comes out of your spirit to literally help you. Yeah, but pastor, I just, I mean, I've been in situations and it's just not there because you're not in faith. It doesn't, it, you have to, did you see that first word? Knowing this. You have to know something. What do you have to know? What does my father say? What does the word of God tell me? What is the truth of this situation? Not the way it seems. What is it really like? Cancer could be pretty big if you put it against who you are. But cancer is nothing 
compared to who Jesus is, right? Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. Then it says, but let patience have her perfect or finished work that you may be perfect and entire. This means complete and whole, wanting nothing. Why do you want nothing? Because now it's in this realm. When patience has its finished work, guess what? You see it in this realm. Wow. So does that make a little bit, is it getting a little clearer? So Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let's go up the same mountain another way. Look at what, look at what Paul said by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let us not be weary. Now this is interesting. That word weary means tired and faint in your mind. Have you ever been tired and faint in your mind? God doesn't ever want you to be tired and faint in your mind. Let us not be weary, tired and faint in mind. It talks, this Greek word means a person, it, it gives you a picture of a person who's losing courage. It gives you the picture of a person who is exhausted. If you're exhausted, you're not in faith. Because when you're in faith, you're at rest. So what do you do? You go back and hear the word more. You speak the word. You never let it depart out of your mouth. And I'm telling you, it will build you up. Let us not be weary in well-doing. What is well-doing? Believing God's word in your heart and speaking it out of your mouth. Right? For us as a nation right now, what is, what is, don't be weary in well-doing. I'm not moved by anything. No, no. I believe that we have humbled ourselves. We've turned from our wicked ways, right? I believe we've sought his face. I mean, I know a lot of Christians that have been praying. And I know that God has heard from heaven and that he's coming, he's already come and he's healing our land. Right? So that's all. How is it going to happen? I don't care. How is cancer going to be rid from a person's body? I don't know. I don't care. But I could tell you, I just know the end result. Here's the end result. The gates of hell are never going to prevail against us. We have been authorized by God to walk by his faith in his strength, yielding to his love, being led by his spirit to dominate this world system. Is it because, do we have to know everything? No, we don't. The early church hardly knew anything. They didn't have any of the epistles, but they knew this, that when they used the name of Jesus, they knew that they were authorized to, you know, to use the name of Jesus, and they, they knew that when, when you said in the name of Jesus, it was as if Jesus was there saying it. That's all they knew. That was a, they didn't know all this stuff. Paul hadn't written all this stuff yet. But here, we're 2,000 years later, what do we do? Well, we know so much that we kind of, well, I got to know this, and I got to keep this ball up there, and I got to say this perfectly, and gosh, if I could only, 
if I could only confess the word like Pastor Torian, right? Or if I could only, if I could only speak to the mountain the way Leanne speaks to the mountain. Forget all that. The name of Jesus is the name of Jesus. Right? Let us not be weary in well-doing. Look at this. For in due season, what is due season? It's always longer than your flesh wants. Right? I mean, have you ever went to a drive-thru and you're like, I have been sitting in this line for five minutes and my meal is not here yet. Right? We do that stuff. It's like, what the heck is going on? I just want a cup of coffee. I've been in this line for three minutes. Right? This person is only going 40, they're only going 48 in a 45. Come on. Right? See, we're trained naturally. But we got to get out of that. Because the Bible says in due season, don't be weary. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we don't faint. This word faint means to grow weary. This is what growing weary means. I've reached out and I've seized hold of it. This is what the Greek word means. I get tired and I let go. If you don't let go, you will reap. If you don't let go, and God has given you patience so that you never let go. Wow. To be tempted, you, you, you and I, you're going to be tested on this material. As soon as maybe, you might even be tested on it right now. But for sure tomorrow, you might get a break tonight. Probably not. Right? You're going to be tempted to get weary. However, you never have to yield to weariness. If you yield to weariness, you'll quit. There's a lot of our brothers and sisters who don't come to church anymore because they've grown weary. This, this word, this stuff just doesn't work. So I'm just quitting. Are they bad Christians? No, they're just weary. That's why we have to help them. How do you help them? You walk it out. And when they see it happening in your life, you look at them and go, listen, man, God loves you. What he did for me, he'll do for you. And I'll help you. Right? This is so important. God's word says we shall reap if we don't relax, let go, and give up. Notice, Satan can't stop us. It's all in our hands. So, how do you release patience? How do you release patience? One way, by meditating in the word of God. So what, what happens is I hear the word of God, I'm reading it, I start meditating on it, I start muttering it over and over to myself. And now the Holy Spirit opens the word of God to me, and now in the unseen realm, a bridge is being built to take me from being a hearer to a doer, and patience is being released 
to hold my, to give me endurance, to give me single-mindedness, to make me constant to where until I become fully persuaded, and then it holds me right there until the circumstance, right, caves in. Why is the circumstance in cave in, caving in? Because faith has now given substance to what you can't perceive with your senses. Just take some time. Does that make sense? The word must be first place in your heart and in your life at all costs. I'm telling you, if you want to walk in the victory that has been given to you, he has to be number one. And that's, that might be hard. That might mean you need to get a different job. Or start believing him for a different job. That might mean you need to strip some things out of your life. That might mean you have to have a group of friends that you've known for years that are not walking and seeking God. you got to maybe put them on the shelf until you get stronger. It might mean that there are certain places that you can't go. The reason why we don't see the power in the church is because we have the same behavior in the church as in the world. And people are heaping up teachers that'll tickle their ears. Oh, this is awesome, man. I can go to church and I can just hear how God loves me and I can still go do all these behaviors that are breaking the word of God and, and it's all still okay. Does God still love you? Yeah, that's true. He loves you no less, but you won't be able to lay hold of anything, which stinks, Right? See, when the word is first place in your heart and in your life, what happens to you? Right? So you're going to know the answer to this because the word's first place in your life. It brings a sensitivity to spiritual things. All of a sudden, I remember years ago when you started reading the Bible, you're like, what is this? What is this? Right? Don't understand any of it. Now, everything talks to you, doesn't it? Everything. Everything drips with God loves you. God loves you. He's for you. He's going to help you. Right? Satan will be over there trying to get you, like with me, trying to, Tony, you're worthless, you're worthless, you're worthless. But the more you hear the life-giving words of God, the more you're finally like, shut up. I'm not worthless. See, meditating in the word renews your mind, which causes you to start thinking. In, now, now, we're talking about how this works. Meditating in the word causes you to renew your mind. The, the, the word of God is renewing and renovating your thinking. It causes you literally to think in line with God's word and to react and to respond according to the word of God, to everything around you. That's the biggest thing. As you renew your mind, it literally causes you to think in line with God's word, and then it causes you to react and respond accordingly, according to the word of God in every situation. It'll, all of a sudden, where thoughts, where you let them go before, now you're going, wait, no, 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 no. It is written, and you take those thoughts captive. You, you, something happens in your life, somebody stings you or a circumstance comes that, that says, I'm gonna really hurt your life, and you now are reacting 
and responding according to the word of God. What does that look like? You get this life-threatening thing that just happens. And when you get pressed and you get hit hard, what do you do? Oh, Father, I thank you for peace. Wow, am I at peace. I thank you that I'm healed. I thank, I thank you that this little thing coming against me right now is nothing in comparison with you. You're kind of like David with Goliath. <laughs> Father, who, who is this uncircumcised sickness that's trying to attack itself? Right? And you'll realize, like in the David and Goliath thing, listen, I don't need Pastor Tony's armor. No, no, I've got, I've got the armor of my father. Guess what? Right, now I'm a little bit bigger than Pastor Elisa, but guess what? Our father's armor, it fits me perfectly. And then when she puts it on, it fits her perfectly. Right? Isn't that cool? In other words, everything is for us individual, individually and corporately. So patience, it is released by the quality decision in Jesus' name, to stand on the word of God in any area of your life, doing this will always undergird your mind. It'll always undergird your mind. Oh, I've got a little bit more. Hallelujah. I can't go there. It'll be too long. Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. At the end of the verse, it says this, but he that endures unto the end shall be saved. But he that endures unto the end shall prosper. But he that endures unto the end shall be healed. Does that make sense? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord. Wait. What does this mean? It means, that Hebrew word means to stay in a place of expectancy. It literally means, to, it gives us a picture of binding something together by twisting it. What are you binding together? Me and God. To where I constantly, I'm in this place. I, I've been bound together. I can't be removed from it. And I'm just right here expecting God to do what he said he'd do. But they that wait upon the Lord, look at that, shall renew their strength. When you get so bound and twisted together where your faith is his faith and really it's no longer, it's like, man, it's like I've been crucified with Christ but yet nevertheless I live. But wait, wait, no, 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 because I'm being twisted. I'm bound together with God. Wait, no, no, it's no longer I that live but it's Christ that's living in me. And now, this life that I'm living or Christ is living through me, this life that I'm living now, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. That's the binding and twisting. They that wait in this expectancy, I'm not, I can't be moved. Why? Because patience is undergirded my mind. It's kept my mind on the word of God. It says, I shall renew my strength. In other words, that is Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord. Be continuously strengthened in the Lord. That's a place 
where you're plugged into the power source and all you can see is I'm expecting these promises to, in this realm. And it renews my strength. I'll mount up with wings of eagles. I'll walk, I'll not get weary. I'll run and I will not faint. I love that this was spoken about the golden eagle. The golden eagle, whenever it faces something and gets sick, what it does in the Middle East is it flies up to an inaccessible, like high area, cliff area, and it will lay on its back and spread out its wings and look directly into the sun. Interesting how God made that animal. They have so many eyelids that they actually are an animal that can look in the, directly into the sun and it doesn't damage them. And they will lay there until their strength is renewed. And then when they get up, they're on this cliff, and if there's a storm coming, this eagle will never run from a storm. It actually gets excited. It looks down, and it sees all the animals running for cover and doing their thing, but what it does is it just waits for the storm. And then when the storm hits, it jumps off the cliff, and in its wings, it has, these, it has the ability to lock its wings in this position. And it will literally just jump off and just lock, and the updraft of the storm will grab it. That's, it mounts up, not in his own strength. And it starts taking the eagle in a circle, like this. And it's going like this, and it's going higher and higher and higher until it bursts out the top of the storm. Now it's sunny, there's no storm, it unhooks itself, and it flies around. That's you and I if we'll allow the word to bind us to this place to where if God said it, I know how much he loves me. I know when he says something, he will perform it. So I believe it and I'm not going to move. That is how you lay hold of your inheritance. Amen?